1: Everything is horrible, yeah! Really, really, really terrible. I'm really depressed, I'm really down, trodden, I'm down, trodden square. The whole world is doomed, yeah! We're all gonna die. 25,672 people die every single minute. 1,650 people just died, cancer, death, (laughs) AIDS. Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary, tell it like it is. If you're a Minnesota Vikings fan, everything is horrible. And if you're Mad Zimurai, apparently just our passion for sports since the pandemic has dropped off significantly. Two of the topics we'll be talking about tonight. I'm John Gaskins. Matt Zimmer's here We're at the Gateway Lounge, where the Chiefs just won. Of course, this is the Chiefs Bar of Sioux Falls, so the place was going. Uh, is that why everybody cleared out? Yes, pretty much. Must
2: have been busy at four o'clock. Uh,
1: it was. It was. It was pretty busy. There's one guy over there, and look, I I don't think I, I painted in a Gateway thing or a Chiefs fan thing, but one of these one of these fans who maybe it's their first time they're out of the house in a while watching a football game but like every play oh come on oh come on every play on defense get him oh come on get him so it was like Stu watching a lions game no it was a more simplistic version but more pleasant version of Stu at the same time uh but but in a a different way annoying but uh it was it was a fun atmosphere to watch a chiefs game cowboys and cardinals are on we're taping nobody's listening anyway best place in sioux falls to go watch a sunday round of nfl games when they're all going on at once and uh, i'm drinking my Oktoberfest. zim is drinking his budweiser and we have a special guest at our table tonight former sports writer for the sioux falls argus leader and now with sanford sports he's mick gary zim and i are giving him a nice golf clap it's great to have mick here you guys are sharing a microphone over there and we're going to try our best because you either um, too stupid or too cheap to get a third mic? Or a third uh, something mic. like that. Yes. We don't we just anything's going to sound better than our audio from last week's show, although people did rough through it, I think. And uh, so it was it's very important to me that mix sounds good though. It's good I'm, to have you here. I'm, lean in a little bit. Lean in. You have to lean in. I'm grateful
0: for the opportunity to be here with you lads. Well, yes. It kind of puts me back blast. I mean, it's back. It's been a year and a half since I've had a job in the in the sports industry no more than that
1: um, i think it's been that long for me too or at least it seems like that
0: (laughs) but But, no it's great it's great to be here and uh, i want to contribute any way i can
1: well thank you we appreciate that you said when we tweeted that this podcast was starting and that it existed i believe you tweeted you were very excited about this and you couldn't wait to hear it and then you just told me before it started that you haven't heard it yet i hadn't had i hadn't had the opportunity to hear it yet
2: We didn't make her old. We don't listen to podcasts. Yeah, That's
1: fine. I understand that. Um, You're older than me, but whatever. Yeah, I haven't heard it yet either. So, Actually, I have. Um, Classifying
0: so, both of us as old, it's a great compliment to me. Yeah.
1: Speaking of old, by the way, we're going to tell stories and give opinions about Sid Hartman, who just died after uh, the age of 100 having a column printed in the Minneapolis Star Tribune that he had quote-unquote written. I'm
2: sure he wrote it. Yeah,
1: yeah earlier in that day. And, Jim, if you're going to talk, you're going to have to lean into the microphone. I just have to give that rule once again. Uh, and uh, I have
2: COVID, just so you know. I'm going to breathe that right into not your That's not funny. Not a face. funny joke. That is not a funny joke. <laughs> Matt
1: does not have COVID. If he did, he would not be here tonight. We'd be doing the on Zoom. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, just just try to remember to lean into the mic when you talk. We'll make this work. That's okay. We'll have Sid's stories later but the you guys are both lifelong minnesota vikings fans zim has lived in sioux falls his whole life mick you're actually from minnesota uh this is well established Uh, you went to college in the twin cities and uh, i'm from
2: minnesota and went to college in the twin cities
1: well you're from you're from minnesota i was born in st clinton
2: what? I was born in St. Cloud. You were
1: born in St. Cloud? Yeah. I didn't know that yeah. about you. That's true story. I, did, I okay. did
2: not know that. You did, too. I've told you that a million times. That's I why don't... I went to St. Cloud State University, because I was like, I was Nick born just,
1: here. Uh, remember, your voice is a little soft, You're going to have to lean into the mic. Okay.
2: You okay. <laughs> suck so much. Hey, should we bring uh, Nick? Yeah. Should we get another microphone? No.
1: I don't I don't have the capability of another microphone in this setup. You could have asked me. I could
2: have brought one. It,
1: it wouldn't, wouldn't have mattered. People. Anyway, we're going to make this work. <laughs> um, so, the, like, there have been some rock bottom moments. The Vikings, like uh, my beloved Kansas City Chiefs for most of their existence. You know, a little better than 500, a playoff team, kind of a wild card quality team. Most of their existence, never quite good enough. Usually to win the Super pretty Bowl. good. Usually pretty good. Very few rock bottom years. The last year of Leslie Frazier was up there, um, and but this is becoming one of them. And it was weird because you know they get off to this one and four start, and they they give Seattle a run last week, and we all kind of go, okay, we're seeing it. They lost some of their best defensive players, and some others are hurt, and Mike Zimmer's is going to figure it out. They go up to Seattle. And give an inspired performance. Kirk Cousins was really efficient in most of that game. Seahawks are undefeated. It's looking good. They lost by one to Tennessee. They're looking like one of the best teams in the NFL. Looks okay. We know they're not going to the playoffs, but this doesn't have to be a tank for Trevor thing. And then the Windless Falcons go in there yesterday. That was an abomination, and I've, I've read people who've covered the Vikings. Compare it to Childress's team in 2010, after Childress had just signed a contract extension, and they basically got him fired because the team quit on them. They looked like utter crap. Uh, it looked like they wanted him to get fired. And I'm not saying the Vikings players want that for Mike Zimmer or that it's going to happen. It probably won't. Um, they're not getting, they're not selling 70,000 tickets a game to be able to pay for a coach to get fired. But. Like, did it feel like rock bottom for you guys, and especially you, Zim? We'll start with you, because you've been saying you don't believe in losing as much as you can so you can get a high draft pick. You don't believe in, oh, just because Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields might be out there, that it's going to work out if the Vikings draft them. It'll be that much better of an option. Um, How do you feel after—I mean, they lost to one of the best, worst teams in the NFL yesterday, badly.
2: Well, but I also don't believe in, like, this team—you know, I've said kind of from the start of the season— win or lose hasn't really bothered me because I don't think this team's going anywhere. You know, even though, you know, that loss to Seattle, the loss to Tennessee, like, you, if you were a glass-half-full guy, you could kind of convince yourself that, hey, this team's only a couple plays away from being 3-2 and two, or whatever, you know, yeah. going into last week. And um, I didn't really buy into that, you know. I mean, I thought the performance against Seattle was evidence that Mike Zimmer can still get his team to play hard, uh, that he can still do some things as a defensive coach. Um, but it didn't make me think, like, oh, maybe there's something to this season. There's not. Um, and also, you know, the Falcons firing their coach, it almost always leads to that team playing well the next week. It, I, I was not at all surprised that the Vikings lost that game. Uh, it was a little surprising that it was as ugly as it was and that they didn't show up to play, basically. Um,
1: there are think that there's that. Yeah,
2: I think the big thing is it just comes back to Kirk Cousins, Wow. You know, like, I think I saw a few people posting that meme that says, you know, our expectations for you were low, but Jesus. And uh, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, just when it looks like, okay, maybe he can still play. You know, he's had a couple, put together a couple decent games and kind of reminded you, you know, how he was able to be somewhat successful in Washington, why the Vikings signed into a contract. And I'll give the guy credit. He owned it. You know, he's he has been a stand-up guy as far as like yeah i'm not doing the job i got to get it done you know if i keep i think his quote was i won't finish the season as a starting quarterback if i keep playing with that playing like that
1: it's a step up from his normal i'll have to look at the film right
2: that's that's great that he's taking responsibility but you know this is i mean this isn't just like not living up to your contract this is playing like one of the worst quarterbacks in the nfl and it's also it was kind of a glaring reminder too that the vikings I don't know if it's because they paid Kirk Cousins all that money or because they don't want to have to make difficult decisions during the season. They don't have a backup quarterback. You know, He could not have been playing worse, and Mike Zimmer did, said he didn't consider making a change. And I'm not surprised he didn't right. consider making a change. What and, the hell is Sean and, Mannion going to do?
1: And Mike Zimmer still has the kid gloves when he talks about Kirk Cousins after games when he was asked about the three interceptions. One of them was just straight to a linebacker against a cover-two defense from straight out of 2005 and Tony Dungy. And uh, Mike Zimmer just you know who that's kind of a red ass you know he's he, he likes to tell he likes to tell you when he's usually not afraid to yeah and, but when he's but it's pretty been pretty consistent with cousins he's still afraid that cousins is so fragile this will affect him even more if his coach uh, if his coach Craps on him, and he just called that. He called the he called the worst of those three interceptions. The one that was kind of the death knell at the end of the first half. There, strange. I mean, that's where I, that's where I'll ask him at. Because I think all three of us at this table, week after week, since Cousins has been a Viking quarterback on the well, what's that microphone? On the, on the, on the, <laughs> that was a good Kirk Cousins impression right there. Just, I saw that. Yes, coming. yes, yes. The a big moment is coming. Your big first take on this podcast, and that's very Kirk Cousins. You just everything everything falls right apart. We were all in favor of this move. He was the best free agent on the market. Case Keenum got lucky, and he wasn't going to sustain. Pay him the money, but it kind of feels like okay. We're not going to say that was a mistake. He was productive. He was a top 10 or 12 quarterback in the NFL. He was efficient for the most part, but it, it's looking a lot more like that extension was a huge mistake. Like why? Yeah, he you know he had, he had a couple big throws against New Orleans. That was great, but. Why not make him, and, and, and maybe, Mick, why not make Mike Zimmer continue to perform this year under the gun if you decide to keep him instead of signing those guys to extensions? Because am I going too far? Am I being hot take sports talk guy by saying they feel like albatrosses right now, both of them?
0: I, I would, with with Cousins?
1: Yes. There, there, would, have been, there would have
0: been a, a um, somebody who really gets it and is really smart about all of this would understand that would maybe understand that this isn't going to wor- this isn't going to work and that and that the pure the money involved 40 if they want to get rid of him 41 million next year against the cap and you look at the the, the engineering of the entire roster and you you, you wondering what is going on there, and and knowing that that okay, that it's not just is this guy better than what we would have otherwise, which is kind of the situation that he came from. That's why he's a Viking because they don't they can't develop their own quarterbacks. They haven't. It. It's just like starter starting pitching in the majors. You don't have it. You have to go buy it, and you have to overpay. You have to take huge financial risk with average. Players and that's essentially what they did with Kirk Cousins. I don't think anybody with the Vikings thought he was going to become because he was the highest-paid player for a while that he was going to be the best quarterback. There's no way. But now you're seeing that they had they didn't get to where they wanted to get exactly, and then they had a hard that then they had to make a, a really tough decision about him, and they they made it and it was obviously the wrong one. Right, but the bigger thing to me is that like. I think
2: we all, most people, agreed that they had to go for the initial three-year contract. Like, okay, you got to do it. It was worth it. Whatever. Fine. And his first two years, he didn't exactly, like, light the world on fire. But he, you know, threw for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. But there was the thinking, too, that, okay, this guy's been putting up really good numbers in Washington. Washington is the armpit of the NFL. They're terrible. Their franchise is a disaster. If this guy can throw for four thousand yards and thirty touchdowns for Washington, you bring him over to the Vikings. Who I'm not trying to claim that they're the New England Patriots or anything, but you know, steady coach and Mike Zimmer, you know, better weapons, better team around him. The thinking was that he'll be a little bit better. Like you said, of course, no, no one's expecting him to be Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, but it's like, okay, he's already pretty freaking good for Washington. He should be a little bit better than. And he had horrible good.
1: offensive lines in Washington. Yeah, Give the guy a little no, protection. No major weapons. Yeah. Who was
2: the running back? Who was there? Anything? You know, right. they didn't. They had some, and then they Pierre got rid of him Garcon before his was last like year. His number one receiver at yeah. some point. Right. I mean, right? Yeah, and then he comes to Minnesota, and it's like Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Kyle Rudolph. I mean, it's, yeah. and and he at best was the same quarterback he was at Washington, maybe even not quite as good. That doesn't really make sense. And it seems like now he's just continued to regress. Where it's not like, what are you going to get out of the last couple of years of this guy's contract? I mean, I said it on this show before he actually played a couple of decent games, and then I thought, okay, maybe I was wrong, but now it looks like I wasn't. Like, have we already seen the best that we're ever going to see from Kirk Cousins as a Minnesota Viking? It kind of looks like we have. we just
1: saw the worst against one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Uh, it, what, it was just a and, and snowball. what,
2: his 38th start as a Viking? Right. I mean, like, you know... Yeah. Come on. And,
1: and okay, so...
2: And it's not like he's 42 years old, either. I mean... The
1: other thing was, the guy was efficient, and he would have crappy games time to time, but he would not throw interceptions, a few key ones at key points. But now he has 10 interceptions, which is most in the NFL, and more than he had at all last year. So he's bad, and it feels like it's only heading downhill. And and I think Mick pointed out 41 million against the cap uh, after this season. You can't get rid of him. You've got him for at least another year after this. Now whether you you're gonna have to pay him a lot and eat it, whether you pay whether you whether you play him, you gotta pay him. Whether you play him or not, who knows? Matt still has been time and time again. Week after week, he hates the tank for Trevor ideal or the tank for Justin Fields, and his point is because Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, well, Russell Wilson, none guys. But that of these doesn't guys. mean like I'm
2: like pissed at the Vikings when the Vikings lose. Okay, you know, I don't think they're going anywhere, so go ahead lose. Well,
1: yeah, I mean you look at you're going to Green Bay after the bye, you're going to lose that. You have Detroit at Chicago on a Monday. Bears don't look like a legit five and one, but they're they'll probably beat the Vikings. Vikings uh, you got Dallas at home, that's a toss up. Carolina with Teddy Bridgewater. We could get into callin Teddy. Any, Calling
2: anything a toss-up, I think, is a stretch. I mean, yeah, at I this mean, point, they're, they're looking bad. like a 3-13 and 13 team. They're looking
1: like a team that's going to be one of the worst five in the NFL. And still, if you don't get Trevor Lawrence, you have a chance to get Justin Fields. And that's where I think, you know, that's where they have to go. Because the, the, the best quarterbacks the in the Jet, NFL... The
2: Jets look like they've got a pretty good stranglehold on the number one pick. Right.
1: The, they're they're easily the worst. They're winless. The, the, absolute, uh, the, the absolute about quarterbacks in the NFL right now... The best ones are the ones that you gotta overcome spotty to shitty offensive line play. You just do. Um, line play has gotten worse. There's less. There's less real one-on-one time in practice at the college and the pro level with tackling. Offensive line play has gotten a lot worse. You have to have a quarterback that can at least be somewhat mobile out of the pocket. Who are the best quarterbacks right now? Mahomes, Rogers, Wilson, Brady's well protected in Tampa Bay, and that's great. And he has a lot of great weapons. But overall you got to get a guy who can overcome your bad offensive line. And the Vikings continuously have a bad offensive line. They haven't really Not had a, a good offensive quarterback line.
2: since Dante
1: Culpepper. And so they're going to need one. And both of the top two guys, uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and most of the best college players these days now, a little mobility and a little ability to throw and make plays on the run or actually make plays with the run. That's what we're seeing. And it appears that that is what the Vikings need because they have at the moment the second uh, most productive running back in the NFL, and he didn't even play yesterday in Dalvin Cook. And you have the a top five production guy already in Justin Jefferson. He was third coming into the night. Uh, Diggs was right behind him tonight, and I'm sure surpassed him. And uh, so did, and so might Hopkins tonight for the Cardinals. But the point: you already have a top, you have two of the, you have two of the top five weapons in the NFL, and you're one in five. Mick, so again. Er, do you do you feel like it's time to be just kind of done with Kirk Cousins or the optimism that he's going to work out and take the Vikings wherever they want to be taken? Not, of course, this year because this year's already over. It feels like, but ever again.
0: Well, I think that the, the decision on Cousins because of the financial circumstances are not next year; they're the year after, yeah. unfortunately, and that puts a that makes it worse than you would than it would be otherwise. It's not just he's playing bad this year. If you look at it realistically, you're not going to spend you're not going to blow that 41 million and get nothing for it. You're you're looking at next year too. And I think that if you go back a little bit, you go This guy doesn't play well with a bad offensive line. He's he doesn't that's not in his toolbox to improvise and do all those things and that that is part of this whole equation that they 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 thought well we're going to be able to get this guy and then we're going to give him a subpar offensive line realistically and then it's it's that's it's not going to work. Um, they thought it might work with especially with their defense and I think that was a gamble they took and it it hasn't come come to pr- fruition because he's he's not capable of playing behind an. He can't be a productive quarterback with an average offensive line. Yeah part of or, that, or a rush or a, a against a good defensive line. But yes. part
2: of that is on the Vikings, on on Spielman, on Zimmer, who I think for the most part, Spielman included, have done a good job. But John and I have talked about this a couple times. There was a time <clears throat> in the Sam Bradford, Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum era where it kind of felt like, the Vikings were just ignoring the offensive line. Like, oh, we can just throw whoever in there. Well, they literally
1: did in the draft except for Matt Khalil.
2: Right. Yeah. But as we've talked about, the last couple of years, they finally tried to address it. They've just failed. Yeah. You know, I mean, some of the guys they brought in have not panned out. And some of them are still young and it's still early. I wouldn't give up on on some of those younger offensive linemen yet. But you can't say anymore that just like, oh, well, they, they need to invest in the offensive line and then that'll fix it. Like, they have. And it hasn't worked out. And that isn't on Kirk Cousins. Now, like you said, a, a great quarterback finds a way to you know work with what he's got, make some things happen. But you can't put it on Kirk Cousins that the offensive line has continued to be shitty because they had chances to upgrade it and they just really haven't. There. And I, I can't motivation. tell
1: Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields within one or two years is going to be what Patrick Mahomes and you know Russell Wilson was pretty good right off the bat. Certainly Lamar Jackson. I don't know um but it's it's worth a shot over what you have with cousins but then it goes beyond that it goes to zimmer and it goes to spielman because can can spielman be trusted with the next quarterback idea or even the next offensive lineman idea because even though he's addressed it he's bradbury's for the most part been a bust brian o'neill is looking okay and then he was crap yesterday these guys can't consistently be relied upon so i mean it's not just getting the quarterback it's getting the guy with the quarterback and with the Rams, they got Sean McVay and Jared Goff was the number one pick. They go to the Super Bowl within like their second year, and they're still pretty good. Um, there's a, and, of course, with the Chiefs, you already had Andy Reid, one of the best quarterback coaches of our lives, and offensive play callers. Okay, well, who do you have with the Vikings? You have 65-year-old defensive coach Mike Zimmer, and whatever he is, 60-year-old... Uh, Gary Kubiak, who a, a few weeks ago and at the end of last year, we're saying, "Well, oh, actually, he's now part of the new wave of where we're coming back to running the ball and doing play action, like the Niners are."
2: I was mildly surprised Kubiak could get fired today. You, 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 I thought Zimmer might make him a scapegoat, as he's done you know, with the Eagles guy a couple of years ago. And yeah, The way things have gone, that, that would not have shocked me if that had happened. And you now
1: you see what the Browns are doing with Stefanski, because there was the feeling that if the Vikings just lose to the Saints in the first round of the playoffs last year, Dallas was interested in Zimmer. Okay, goodbye, thanks for the memories, and hired Stefanski so no other team would. The Browns look pretty buttoned up and pretty good with him. They need a different quarterback, but um, you're not going to get him. Of course, there's Eric Biennemi out there, who many feel should have a job by now as a head coach. He's Andy Reid's offensive coordinator in KC, and supposedly he's not just a guy who keeps the play sheets laminated, he knows what he's doing. And so it just kind of feels like, that by the way was a Patrick Royce joke years ago about Brad Childress, he kept Andy Reid's play sheets laminated, that's why he got hired. Um, so. And I'm not just saying the enemy specifically, and I'm not saying that because I'm a Chiefs fan. He feels like he's the next guy in the NFL to where you get the quarterback and then you hire the right offensive mind to scheme things for that guy, and that's how you win. Well, and that's so the that big cr- reason that-
2: I think a lot of Vikings fans, I mean, I, I like Mike Zimmer. I think he's been a net positive. But let's face it, this year has been bad. And you have to wonder, has the team quit on it? Regardless of how smart he is. So does it look like it? it I, I don't know. It's hard to say. A lot of guys are hurt. Kirk Cousins is playing like shit. That isn't his fault. I don't know, but it, it's a valid. Que- My point is, it's, it's a valid question. So if people are asking, like, is it t- is it time for Mike Zimmer to be done? Maybe it is. But do you want to get back on the head coaching carousel? Who's out there? You know, Eric Bianami. Does he do that? Do a lot for you? Huh? He's. I think he's.
1: I think he's worth the risk. We've I mean, seen what we can get out of Zimmer. Nick, what do you what do you think? I, number one, when you're talking about pro
0: sports, it's not about. It's not about the culpability. It's about, is it time for a change? And it doesn't have to go with... It, you, can go, hmm. you can go with specifics on, like, well, he didn't do this, he didn't do this. Which you can get into. You can perfume your vanity with that conversation if you want. But essentially... Lena, just a little more. Lena, just a little more. Just getting, it's really good. Just it's, good. Just it's, make sure everybody hears Essentially... It has, it's, It's. do you want to make a change? I mean, this is a, it's a cold-hearted business to a yeah. certain extent, and fairness has nothing to do with it to a certain extent. You You make, you have your salary, and you, it's like, all right, this is enough. I've had it, I don't want yeah. this guy anymore. And that's sh- that's it at the pro level. That's it.
1: Yes, and this is in a college where, you have to worry about buying out. Nebraska is a horrible example because they just have an unlimited trust fund, basically, from their boosters to pay guys like Bo Pelini and Mike Riley years after they die, a hundred grand a month, but, <laughs> but or after they're done. Uh, but these are these are land moguls, the Wilfs, Like yes, they're hurting financially because you can't sell a, you can't sell a ticket this year. And yes, you have. You're saddled to these extensions for Spielman and Zimmer. These guys have money. There's nothing that to, you know. They're, they're, the salary cap doesn't include coaches. They can. They'd have to eat a lot of money. But I think also, you, are we now not at the point where we have to start wondering if they're just they're just going to keep losing their ass if you keep Mike Zimmer around and Rick Spielman around for a while. I mean, it yeah, might. I, I guess it might be better to uh, just start over now and, and pay the extra money. I
2: mean, they both look pretty good at their
1: jobs. You know, that's the. This is the hard part. This is the Vikings. You know, I mean, I, yeah. India.
2: I mean, this year is not bad enough to be terrible. This year is shit. But I mean, like I said, some of it isn't their fault. I mean, Daniel Hunter is their best player. He is the best player on their team. Yeah. He's he's gone for the whole year. And you lose Anthony Barr.
1: If you have the, by the way, if you have Daniel Hunter, they probably have another win or two. At least I think a, you at know, do. At least one, at least one yeah. yeah. You'd have three wins, maybe yeah.
2: two at the least. I mean, and and again, I don't think you can blame Rick Spielman or. Uh, Mike Zimmer for Kirk Cousins playing as badly as he has in some of the games this year. Now, yeah, Spielman's the one who gave him that contract. You can say, that was a mistake. That was stupid of you. But it was reasonable of Spielman or anyone else to say, okay, maybe at at worst-case scenario, Cousins will continue to be the same quarterback he has been. This guy who puts up decent numbers and maybe isn't you know, a a Hall of Fame. And isn't going to be
1: lousy every week. He's going to have his good games. Where he gets ahead.
2: He's actually this year regressed, and I don't think you can blame either one of them for that. I mean, the thing the thing is, at 1-5, the Vikings clearly have to go through a rebuild. The question for Ziggy Wolf is, do you entrust Rick Spielman and or Mike Zimmer to execute that rebuild, or do you bring in someone else to do it?
1: What's your answer? You want to see a few more games?
2: I think, yeah, maybe. I mean, okay. like I said, I, I was impressed with the Vikings' effort. Effort's the wrong word, but... The game against Seattle, the fact they almost won that game, should have won that game, that said something to me. Again, that that Mike Zimmer still knows how to coach defense because everyone was hurt, yeah, and they played pretty well. And defensively. they shut out the
1: Seahawks in the first half. Yeah,
2: and and like I said, they and played cousins hard. And cousins was for a big them.
1: reason the Seahawks scored all those points in a, in in three minutes or yeah, whatever it was. I mean, but, but
2: I would be okay with saying, all right, you've got one more rebuild, and then when this either works or doesn't. Time to yeah,
1: like, move on. I'll just say this. If the will said today, Zimmer's fired, I wouldn't be crying. Oh, yeah, got to give him more same, time. Same.
2: I, yeah, yeah. I'm not it, much trying to make it, it sound it, like yeah. I'm like a, it, a Zimmer and, and Spill Loyalist. Us, and, and
1: part of us have not mentioned the fact that he, they did extend their contract maybe means they're giving both of those guys time. They're willing to let this be a crappy year and write it out. And their jobs are, are just secure. But games like yesterday, as they write, as Jim Suhan writes in the Star Tribune, that, the 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 effort you mentioned the effort in Seattle, but the lack of it yesterday is the kind of effort that gets coaches fired. Absolutely. Absolutely so, and, and you're nodding your head as I said all that. Is that how you feel too? Like if they fired Zimmer and Spielman today, Mick, lifelong Vikings fan, just fine with you. Move on. Well,
0: I think it's a realistic thing that, and I think that Suhan was trying to say that this is a re, this is this is what happens in these yep. situations, or it can happen that yep. you you give nothing in a game against. A team that has no wins yes. and and you look at it as as a, terrible as a um, it's a direction deal and they had what I thought was potentially a gateway game. If they were gonna if they were gonna get better, it would've they would have won that game last week. And then there would have been a, a different view, for sure with the fans, but I think also with the players there was potential for saying, OK, this is, maybe this isn't going to be as bad as it is. And they lost that game. And then they confirmed this week that that was a huge game for them. To me, I mean, just the, I mean this is a, it wasn't um, just a bad loss. This is like an all-time, if you look at the circumstances, an all-time bad loss. And there have been plenty of them over the years, and you could measure him in a lot of different with a lot of different me- metrics. Yes. But it, just as far as pathetic, nothing going on here. Entirely. Our quarterback played terrible, and we're gonna we're not gonna be able to do anything with this roster because of him for two years.
1: Yeah. That was yeah. that was a terrible loss. Yeah. All right. It's nobody's listening anyway. We're at the Gateway Lounge. The mention of a Star Tribune columnist will be a segue into whatever we have to feel about sid hartman who died during the middle of all this yesterday uh kirk or was,
2: cousins killed sid hartman uh, let's put that you. on the record uh
1: but yeah. nick is here at, you know zimmer and i have gone on and on genuinely about how much we love doing the podcast here at the gateway lounge and the and their food and their service and their drinks i know you've been Nick, it's your chance to plug away. I know you've been didn't you say you used to do a podcast here. You've done a podcast here or two at the Gateway. We, we did we did some podcasts here uh, with the
0: Rentsler family. God bless them all. I've known them for years. Um, so we did a podcast over there, right over there on the other side Sports of the Sports it. Web Live and right? yes. Sports Web. Sports Web Live. Sports, Sports Web Live and and my buddy Brent was working here at the time and uh, No. You've Gateway been here is, a time or two. Gateway's a great I bartended here. There was, for like about eight times. Did you Make any okay. good tips? I didn't know how to mix a drink.
2: I'm surprised didn't by that. I couldn't. How to mix a drink. I couldn't.
0: I couldn't run the the uh, credit card deal
1: very well. Those are tricky. I've had to work with a bad one at my job. I was trustworthy. Yes, you
0: were. And that's why I got that job. And I had a great time working here. And the Rensselaer family. Did you and yeah.
2: ever, Same the, family. One of the first mistakes I made, the first time I had to bartend, someone ordered a bottled beer. And I just handed him the bottle. You're supposed to open it for him. I was just like, here you go. And she was like, are you going to open it for me? And I was like, what, are your hands broken? You know, <laughs> you which said is, that? Which yeah. is funny. Did. Because now in COVID times, some bars are actually saying, like, we're not going to open your beers yeah, for you anymore. We'll just give yes. it to you, and you have to open it yourself. I was so I was ahead of my time is basically what I'm saying. That, ex- say. that
0: thing exactly <laughs> happened, like, my first <laughs> night here. And this guy, who was really cool, he just goes, i want to tell you something (laughs) and he was very gracious about it he goes but you need to open this beer and it was he was the coolest guy i was the it was the best guy possible that i should make this mistake with because he was very he was almost like a very a parental type deal where it's like here's what we should do here it's good you obviously you're a little green on this uh,
1: no it was great yeah I was um, bartending during COVID times too I had to do that for about a party of 40 a couple of weeks ago the golf course in Lenox which was pretty much all making drinks for about two hours and um, a little tricky and um, the, only, the, the, only, the only I had a lot of apprehensions about this I probably should have consulted both of you but especially Zim because I know you did that uh, a while and a while back but uh is not making the mixed drinks and not making them strong enough for some people i just had one customer and it was only one guy but every listen was, asshole either a same, order a
2: double or don't it same, That's, yes yeah. it's
1: the same guy every time <laughs> where i just he doesn't even like he just orders his drink and then when i start pouring he's just like yeah come on i need a little hair on my uh, chest uh, uh, you know it's, it's, uh, come on you guys i remember it as being burn uh, it, it. Burn it, yeah. <laughs> yes. or uh, extra make it extra strong. Make it strong. Yeah, okay. Uh, but anyway, they do a great job here at the Gateway, and we are happy to be here doing our podcast from here. It is a place that I don't know if Sid Hartman would frequent unless there were uh, significant and relevant sports figures who are also here. Uh, Sid Hartman. Like, if this were in Minneapolis, and, like, if he heard Bud Grant hung out here or PJ Fleck or just name your famous person in the Minneapolis sports scene, yeah, then probably Sid would make his way here somehow to get a scoop. Um, By now, I don't think we need to spend, spend very much time setting up who this guy was. We're in a weird sports market where we're eight miles from the Minnesota border. We talk about the Vikings or Twins first for, like, every podcast we've done so far because... A lot of fans here are fans of the Minnesota teams. And so you probably read a lot of Star Tribune, and you've probably read a lot of Sid Hartman, but as a guy who has spent off and on the last 15 years, in, either in Minnesota or in Sioux Falls, consuming and talking about the Vikings and Twins. I'm just going to, like, people have been really nice to him for the last couple of days. From my perspective, um, and I, I've read the whole bio about how he was a de facto GM for the Minneapolis Lakers, and he helped get pro sports teams that we have to the Twin Cities, like the tw- he was a major part of getting the twins there. I get it, but well, that's me, cool that
2: they used to like. Yeah. sports writers used to be able to do shit like that. Yeah. Like that, it doesn't really work that way anymore.
1: But for me, as a writer and a reporter, he's meant very little to me. Uh, I, I, I get a lot out of you know, I get a lot out of Suhan and Roycey. You know, they they actually they have opinions. They're not a fr- they're, he's a Sid's a total homer. There's a good balance to that in that paper to have Sid as the total homer and the other guys as kind of the crackdown guys but um, he was just, to me, a, an, an old guy who cozied up to famous people and I've heard a lot of stories about the way he got scoops and about his work ethic and it's all admirable, but I wanna to toss it to Mick who actually grew up in Minnesota reading Sid when apparently Sid, and I heard podcasts today from Patrick Royce, when Sid had his fastball and when he could get when he got the era Parsegian scoop at Notre Dame in 1974 and what he meant to you who obviously became an institution as a sports writer here in Sioux Falls, growing up in Minnesota. I hope I wasn't being too no, unfair. No, no. here was here But he hasn't been relevant for here the last 15, 20 years. Yeah. But, okay, I go
0: back to when I was learning, I learned to read, okay? So it, for me, it was first grade. I could learn. That's when I learned he was to already
2: read. already 42 when you were four. <laughs> you're fucking old. <laughs>
0: For those who
1: may have not heard Zim because he wasn't leaning into the mic, that, he said that. Stop, stop, stop doing that. <laughs> All right. Okay, so. I love it when Zim starts dictating the podcast.
0: I started. So. I got. Okay, so all of a sudden I get read. This is a new tool for me, and I didn't quite understand what the point was with reading. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm a, cr- I become a crazy, Twins Vikings fan. Yeah. And we get to Star Tribune like every eight, morning. Ten years
1: old. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but second grade, I started reading Sid, and it was perfect for me. It was, the the words were the words were easy, and I decided. Okay. Reading is worth doing because I can read Sid Hartman. I'm not I'm not overstating this at all. Yeah. Th- Sid played a role in teaching me to read. And that's very that's very
1: that's quite but, a connection. But I would
0: but I mean it was he was he was a notes columnist. He wasn't a columnist who offered a strong opinions and it wasn't about his prose, it was information and You know, I got bored with it by the time I was in my 30s to where you just understand that, okay, this is standard stuff. And, you know, Kent Herbeck's going to be working on a new batting stance and all these things. And the Michigan, Michigan, what was it, the Michigan uh, sports major, they had a major at Michigan that was a real problem for Sid that he, they were able to get people into Michigan that they weren't able to get into Minnesota because they had this major that was... Okay, so that was... But that was from when I was a youngster, and I thought, boy, he's really upset about this major they have at Michigan. Sports... sports I don't know what it was. But anyway, um, he was... There was a time when I was a very young person where Sid Hartman was one of the most important people in my life. He was the that, guy that I had it that I and uh, I, I don't want to get go overboard on it, but then I got to know him a little bit
1: and, and how'd you get
0: to know him? I worked at Star Tribune for six months before I moved here. okay And you still in college I was or? no no. Okay. you're like what 23 24 years old yeah and and uh, so this but, was but i was i was just i was answering phones late 80s or so just for time reference yes yes so he yes. must have been in his late 60s or so 19 actually is 1990 okay and so he was about
1: 7 Jesus <laughs> what? yeah anyway
2: continue
0: all right so i'll just cut to the my favorite sid story it had to do with knowing him and uh, we trans I we I transcribed a lot of his interviews for him the
2: famous tape recorder?
0: yes and he would he would he would walk in and it was a it's a union shop so I'd make two more dollars an hour if I was if I could say I was transcribing to uh, sit stuff so like, yeah dude I'll take it and if I was busy I would still do it and so he I built up a rapport with him very quickly because I was anxious to do these things. And uh, there was a day where my folks and I went to a Twins game, and we parked by the Star Tribune. So we're walking. So we're walking, it's right next door. So it, it's. So we're walking to the game. Mom and dad and I and uh, I think one of my brothers and I. I all of a sudden I look back and there's Sid. He's walking to the twins game too. I go, so I turn around. I go, Sid. Gotta meet my mom and dad. Which in Minnesota. I mean you're, ta- you're talking about all of a sudden your son knows one of the most famous people who's ever lived in Minnesota. And he was incredibly gracious. And he, he was and he was uh he, he says a lot of nice things about me and <laughs> and uh,
2: that's the part that
0: it said me that and he said nice things about you. Well, yeah, and I don't. Yeah, and that's the part about it And nobody in the days since, when I've shared this anecdote with others, that they've never really understood and don't get. But I was very grateful for that. And uh, as much as all of a lot of the things about him are absolutely on target, the negative things over the years, um, it, I, I. He's belligerent. He, he was a belligerent fella in a lot of ways. Uh, but that day, that time, he was a, he was an absolute prince, which is another story. He, his interview with Prince. But no, he, he was an absolute class act to me and to my parents, and I will forever be grateful for that. Uh, nice. and, and that was all. That's always been my memory that I'll carry with. That awesome. I that I got to know Sid, and that that he he met my folks, and he was really cool to them
1: okay so what was it like transcribing those stories well i've heard because i heard judd zolgad who i also think is a good writer
0: judd was at the paper and
1: doing he was like a
0: notch above me when i was working there
1: yeah judd's a great guy and for those who don't know but you probably do zolgad was a vikings beat writer for a decade and now he's but
0: but it was funny that part of it uh because i was doing the same thing and i was probably reaching over judd's
1: because
0: i wanted to make he was not going to make two more dollars an hour I was because I was below Judd,
1: um, <laughs> but Judd said like those tra- tra- those transcriptions. He said was it could be a nightmare sometimes. Because um, so Sid, so for for perspective, Sid didn't necessarily always write. You know, there's there's always just kind of this big no. I, I'm murky about. <laughs> it. Did he really write his columns? You're talking about transcribing when, when interviews was, when that when he did there, with people.
0: When I was there, he wrote his columns.
1: Okay, so um, what were you transcribing? Interviews that he did with people? Or?
0: Inter- interviews with. And I remember I interviewed some guy who was—he uh, was a Minnesota guy who was involved in the sailing stuff in the, what is it, the America's Cup, okay, uh, whatever it was.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's America's Cup.
0: Yeah. And he had an interview with him, and I remember transcribing that one, and it was obvious that you know, who of who among us would know much about this, and yeah, and and he, but he, got, he got through it. And the, but the interview the guy must have been a, a really smart guy because he kind of figured out right away it's like okay I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to answer these questions like they've been asked by a four year old which is the exact same way that it would have been with me but um, things like that And but it was it was um, you know you'd, be, you'd see you'd get you were getting um, a glimpse into Sid's day Yeah, with these deals sure and
1: it, did you get the sense that he was actually pretty good at what he did? Or, yeah! Okay. Abso- absolutely. Why Why didn't he transcribe himself? I've always wanted to do that. Because he just couldn't type. He couldn't figure out computers. He had other things to do. He had like, CCO. He had other things to do. Okay. He, he was that important. Yeah, he I just, was like, okay. yeah,
2: that would be sure nice if i had that model.
1: Yeah. There. Yeah. That, yeah. There's a couple other things.
2: Literally, how many conversations did you and I have over the last 15 years about how the, literally the worst part of our job. Was having to transcribe interviews. The fact that he never had to do that his entire career,
1: like,
0: oh, yeah. nice, Be nice, yeah, it's tedious. Okay. okay, so when I was in college, I worked at the Viking Report, and
1: there was Bob a. Lord Smith Viking Report.
0: It was and Tommy Kramer's. It was Tommy Kramer version <laughs> at the time.
1: <laughs> what kind of involvement did Tommy Kramer have in this?
0: It wasn't. He wasn't editing my copy. <laughs> Paying he, for it. He was, uh, yeah, that, that was it. It was like I'd sit in Tommy's office, and he'd come up to me, and he'd go, you
1: know, I don't know if this works right here, this paragraph. <laughs>
2: this transition is shit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Kramer was actually right here, like, where we're sitting on Friday night, by the way. He was doing karaoke, apparently, signing some autographs at the old gateway. But, Sorry. Uh,
0: no, no. but it, uh, there, was a, there was a day where he was – I was, I think it was, I was interviewing a guy like linebacker. I think it was David Howard, as I remember it. I know
1: that.
0: He was a, it was not a star. And I, but I'd go out there once a week and I'd write my little feature story for the Viking Report. And, um, but on this particular day, I'm interviewing this guy. And all of a sudden I hear this, who? Blanken threw that. And it was Sid, and it, one of the guys had thrown this big wad of sweat socks and hit him in the chest with it at Vikings facilities. Who threw that? And so I had this on, my tape, my little cassette recorder, and I, and I, had, you know, I could go back to college. And and go and so it in its own way it was a viral deal because everybody wanted to hear Sid oh, yeah. in the background yelling <laughs> yeah
1: all right well, you didn't you didn't you didn't have nearly as many up close and personal things with Sid Hartman Zim but did you do, do you have a story or do you just have uh, your thought well, what were your th-
2: I do have a Sid story it's okay. not a, It's not real personal because I didn't know, Sid. In uh, 2009, I was covering the American League. Well, no, it wasn't yet the playoffs. It was that – that was the year the Twins and Tigers uh, tied for the American League Central Division. It was last year the Metrodome. And the Twins earned a tie with the Tigers, I want to say, at the end of the regular season. So they thought that was going to be the last game in Metrodome history. But then because they'd earned the tie, forcing a one-game playoff – there was going to be a bonus game in the Metrodome, game 163, a one-game playoff. And uh, I went up to Minneapolis to cover that game, and I was sitting in the press box, and Sid was there, obviously, but he was kind of hanging back. He was not, like, front and center. I don't know if he didn't have a column due that night or whatever, uh, but he was just sort of hanging around, I remember. And in, like, maybe the fifth or sixth inning, they had – in the metronome press box they had like there's like a separate room back there for like where there's a pregame spread yeah, um, which is like actual meals I think you have to pay for it actually so of course I didn't go there and then (laughs) in the actual press box they had these uh, tins full of dome dogs Okay. and those were free you could just go have dome dogs whenever you wanted during the game in the press box well that game ended up going like 11 or 12 innings I want to say And at some point, late in the game, uh, Sid got hungry and decided to go back to the tin where the hot dogs were, the dome dogs, to have a dome dog And like the eighth or ninth, like everyone else is done, no one's eating anymore. Like the game's on the line, everyone's focused on the game. Sid goes back there and he lifts this tin up and apparently there was one hot dog left, literally one. And Sid reaches in and holds it up. I don't remember if he grabbed it with the tongs or if he grabbed it with his fingers, but he holds it up and like announces to the press box. He's like, I am holding the last Dome Dog in Metrodome history. And I thought that was pretty funny. Like, yeah, he is, because this is the last game that turned out not to be because the Twins made the playoffs, but it looked like it was going to be. And so he's like just trying to make a joke, like, hey, this Dome Dog I'm eating is going to be the last ever Dome Dog at the Metrodome. And, like, so he makes this big, like, announcement. He was wearing this ugly-ass blue suit. And, like, half the people ignore him, and half the people turn around and look at him. And I just remember, like, nobody laughed. Nobody acknowledged him. Everyone just ignored him. And I felt bad. I don't even really like Sid Hartman, but, like, I felt bad because I was like, he just made kind of a funny joke and was like, hey, last Dome dog. And everyone's just like, yeah, whatever, nobody cares. But I think
1: he built but he built that up over the years to where... Wear- yeah people think, probably just I were ignoring if, him at that point I, yeah i, think I don't if know he had some sort of if he had any sort of charm or tact to him whatsoever he would have been more like a more like a yeah. not a not an intimidating godfather to these guys but maybe more like the prince that nick yeah, was there was describing there was just no reaction people would like appease an old man and laugh you yeah, know nobody Even did it's not that funny i thought it was funny yeah <laughs> well good <fraud>. glad <laughs> you did if only hopefully he was looking your way or heard you laugh i i, I remember he had
2: and this i'm the hundred millionth yeah. person to make yeah. this comment, but he already
1: had ketchup and mustard on his shirt <laughs> from course. having earlier had a dome dog. Cause that, I guess
2: that was sort of his deal. Yes. But,
1: the Oscar um, was Oscar Madison or whatever yeah. before Oscar Madison. Yeah. Yeah. The, the I don't have any other than covering a handful of Vikings and twins games at the Metrodome a time or two to where, you know, I got the glare. If I was in a huddle, you know, trying to get, put, put my microphone somewhere. I did get the Sid shove maybe at one time or another he said out of my way kid but you know like that every every literally everybody's a kid to him so everybody's had that experience (laughs) um but from the things I've heard over the years and then really heard Roycey and Zulgad did a podcast today and of course Roycey wrote his obit in the Star Tribune I get that he meant a lot to the Twin Cities sports scene and he was excellent at at fostering relationships cozying up to people so he could get scoops and there's all kinds of I heard stories about him getting uh, Justin Gard, who's the producer of Dan Barrera's show at K-Fan and a gopher guy. He got Justin Gard seats at the Bush-Push game for Notre Dame-USC. Sid Hartman, Minneapolis old guy, sports writer, got Justin Gard these seats, and on the envelope to the tickets it said, For Pete Carroll, because Sid just called Pete Carroll, supposedly. And Pete Carroll got him these tickets to the Notre Dame game. Some kid from Minneapolis. You know, there's a, and like everybody who seems to have been somewhat close to him for a few years and worked with him has a story like that. But it's almost like he was probably prouder of how he got the kid the tickets than getting the kid the tickets. Right. You know what I mean? And um, and the one thing I really derived is just how. I mean, it's pretty obvious the fact that he had a byline and a column on the day that he died he was in the paper and he had done some interview with adam thielen which of course somebody uh, the modern day mick transcribed but he uh you know Roycey said that sid had a condo on the 15th floor of some beautiful high-rise on the beach in fort lauderdale and hardly ever went there and one of the two times Roycey went to visit him there the shades were back it was just like this 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 ghoulish Sort of cave, and Rice like, "Hey, Sid, will you open up the blinds? We have an ocean to look at. It's a beautiful day." And the guy just, his whole life, to his obviously to his credit and to his success and to his legend, just he was all about getting the story, having a byline, and all of us in the sports media industry, to a to a, to a degree, get that sort of rush, covering a story, getting a scoop, having, being relevant, I guess. But like. It was to the point where he he would push over and trample over anybody he could to do it all the time, and then it didn't seem like he enjoyed anything else in life. And it kind of, it kind of makes me go, okay, that's a legend because he was still doing this at 100 and still doing it his intimidating way. And it also makes me go, and, I, I, and I'll toss it over to either of you, if you view it the same way where you go, this is a great business to be in. We love sports, and we love reporting on them. But I don't ever I never want to be that guy. I never want to go that far. If that's yeah. what it takes to get any sort of reverent, reverence. Well, or his, his uh, s-
2: s- obvious sucking he up to celebrities person, always right. struck me as kind of gross. It, like Yeah,
1: that sports writing that's, style. The I mean, yeah, Reporting you know. style is just... You know, he's a big and Homer who kissed I, everybody's ass. I,
2: I mean, that's becoming more and more the norm. Honestly, I mean, how many people? Be- the way Sid does it, I, I'm not maybe not to that degree, but I mean, like, let's face it. How many people in the South Dakota media are especially critical of who they cover? That's really not very po- not the style it, anymore.
1: And, and by the way, there are reasons to obviously I, you can relate. There are reasons to obviously be that way.
2: And and in to, in suits, it doesn't Sid, help you at all. In Sid's defense, I think if you if you know, like, if you're kind of upfront about it, and he kind of was. He was. You know, I think that makes it a little... You you at least know what you're getting. Yeah. Um, I remember reading a, a quote from Sid once where he said something about, you know, I didn't take any vacation last year, and then the year before that, I did take two weeks to go wherever, but I spent the whole time working or worrying about not getting a story or getting scooped or whatever, and I just remember being like, well, that's stupid. Like, that... There are... Like, you're missing out on your life, dude. Like, there's other things besides getting the scoop on the Gophers basketball coach yeah. or whatever. I don't fucking know, but. Right.
1: So, yeah, I mean, Mick, because Mick Gary is one of the, like, he is, you're the pillar of objectivity, fairness. Mick
2: and I are both lazy, so us criticizing Sid maybe doesn't, <laughs> doesn't mean a whole lot.
1: We're,
0: we're all lazy in comparison to Sid. Exactly, like, yes. Yeah. yes. Well, and yes. it, but it's a kind of a philosophical point that you're, that we're making here is like okay if if all you're doing is your job and that's essentially all Sid did is that a is that a life well lived that you didn't take timeouts and smell the roses and on the other side in his defense if that's all you ever wanted to do and that's all you did Maybe that's your definition of happiness, and we're inflicting. We're and when if we're saying, well, that's not the kind of way I would do it. Fine, but it was the way he he wanted to do it, and it probably added years to his life. That every day he got up, and that's all he wanted to think about. That, yeah. yeah. so it, it's a. Uh, I mean, with somebody like that who's so unusual, so unique in the way that they went about how they did their business and the fact that they, they lasted that long and that they had this huge impact on their community for as long as they did. I mean you're going to you're going to wonder about it and you it's going to be unusual
1: the circumstances are going to be unusual good good way to put it and I understand for years he was a reason why a lot of people bought and read the Star Tribune like of all the sections everything in the paper like it was he was hit especially in those formative years when the Twin Cities was becoming a real sports town with major league baseball and the NFL and he helped bring the teams there and like his notes his jottings everything he said That's
2: my my, uh, my dad and and, and uncle who you know were very formative to my love of sports and sports writing. Subscribed to the Star Tribune when they lived in Sioux Falls, and they did it for Sid Hartman. They called him Grandpa Sports. That was their nickname for him. And they they were like, oh, I got to read Grandpa Sports this morning. And I can remember reading it and being like, What am I missing here? Like this yeah. this guy's not that good of a writer. But it went back to like he had the news. It wasn't about like your flowery pros and your good transitions. It was like here's what's going on with the teams you care about.
1: Right. And I, and I and I you know, again I would read it. I'm not saying I wouldn't read it. He would have some interesting things. He would have some interesting notes, but I would much i I I'm much cracking open the Star Tribune for intense Vikings coverage and twins coverage and Suhan and Royce's columns. Do you have any strip by the way, we're we're getting close to where if we're gonna talk about anything else we should probably move on. Do you have any Roycey stories? From your day, was he? Even um, at, he wasn't even at the strip when you, because I'm going to guess, just knowing you, he's more. He's been far more influential on your enjoyment of sports writing and sports writing reading than Sid Hartman well, is. He, he's just, and um, he's 75. He's a he, legend. He's to yeah, me a much bigger legend. Fantastic than Sid. storyteller. Yeah. Um, and he makes it fun. I knew him a little bit
0: over the years. Honestly, when I was working at the Star Tribune, I knew I knew Sid better than. Patrick, but I um, I used to call into his radio show back in the '80s when I was in college, and there was there was one time that they gave me this secret number because what I'd done, they they thought, well, "Geez, this is this is pretty good." And uh, I wrote this thing about soccer, and I sent it to him, and then they read it on the air. And if I'd ever. Talk to Royce again. I would, I would like to address that soccer letter because, because it it was great and they really thought it was funny and, but uh, over the years uh, we we've had some common. He, he was his. His, uh, a relative of his was a guy I knew, I knew when I was a kid and uh, just died recently. His name was John O'Rourke, Austin guy. Uh, so there was that.
1: And, but other than that, yeah. Of course he knew everybody. Quick Roycey story, he came, I had just moved to Minnesota in Worthington as a radio guy, and on our station that we had, I was just driving around after work one day at a quarter to five, and I heard some cackling, what it sounded like some cackling old frog on the radio talking about sports, and he was hilarious, and I'm like, who is this hundred year old guy, it was Patrick Royce, he was like 60 at the time, because he had that voice. And, but I started to, but I was like fascinated, so I enjoyed hearing his little 10 minute thing every day with Joe Suchere, and then um, reading his columns, and he came to Worthington, because he's from Fulton which is like 20 minutes from Worthington, yes. southwest Minnesota, an hour from here. And um, he came and he, the story he told in Worthington about being a sports writer, I think you guys will appreciate this, was as a columnist, some days, you know, you, everything falls in your lap. You know, you got these pro sports teams and a lot of things going on. And then there are some days where you don't know what you're going to write about. You. And and it's getting to TikTok. It's getting to that time. And he, you know, he tried to have a pretty cool head about him. Something will happen. And he and he, and there was one of those days where he had like two or three hours to get a column written, and he had nothing. Turkey of the year thing. Not the turkey of the year. He got an he got an envelope or something from Worthington, Minnesota, and it was the. Worthington Windsurfing Regatta uh, press release because there's and, and, and he mentioned it he said okay this is okay we're getting we're getting somewhere here I like the start of this and then he noticed Worthington Minnesota Lake Okabina was a stop on a wind uh, uh, an international windsurfing tour that included places in Aust- like you know places in Australia like the Gold Coast and Japan and you know name a coast anywhere in the world and then Worthington and he just said hey I have my column. There we go. I, I had my answer. It fell right there. It wrote itself. So, all right, we've uh, we've got about on an hour about the Vikings and Sid Hartman and Patrick Roycey, and both of those guys very much into the Gophers uh, because Sid was pretty much a, cheer, a cheerleader, the, the Gophers' biggest cheerleader ever. Patrick went there and he still likes talking about them even as they become irrelevant the last forty or fifty years until P.J. Fleck and. You know the Gophers. You know the Gophers have like three or four Friday night games this year, and that's that's the TV networks in the Big Ten and their deals saying we want to spotlight this guy and this team. Um, after 11 wins last year, what's uh, as we start with them? College Game Day coming for Michigan on Saturday. You guys are both Gopher fans. I'll start with the Minnesota native and Mick um what your level of enthusiasm i'm is a minnesota
2: this. native
0: too we i'm it's sorry yes you're, actually, mini- yes you're both yes you're both minnesota natives native, okay native sure. yeah, sorry about that iowa, right? yeah. okay a, yeah. all right <laughs> and, which well, always
2: it always <laughs> I, I thought man Mate, when, when my area of football. carol iowa and matt zimmer of st cloud minnesota oh there you when, go and oh, wow. i thought
0: <laughs> i thought when my baseball card <laughs> it's gonna say carol
1: sure Iowa and i was upset about that We've all, all been right. there. All right, are you, okay. Zimmer and I were having a discussion that we'll repeat here in a moment oh. by text earlier today. Okay. Um, but for you, like, it's weird because the pandemic's made everything weird. Uh-huh. Um, and, and college football, to me, feels empty, even though it's been going on for like four or five weeks now. Yeah. But and maybe it's been empty because I'm a Husker fan and they're in the Big Ten and they have been for a decade now and I'm used to it and I haven't and by osmosis I watch Big Ten football because the Huskers are in the conference. How do you, I mean like coming off the best year in whatever 50 years of Gopher football? What's your level of interest or is, it's or is much it much higher? It's much it is. higher. Okay.
0: And I mean I go I go back. I mean you're old. You're a sports fan. You go back. I, but. Um, I don't remember enjoying a season more. I don't remember enjoying any Gopher game as much as I enjoyed the, the Penn State game last year and the, and the bowl game win um, as much as I did. And it was refreshing. It was like, okay, I was watching with some other Gopher fans and it was, it was really cool. It was like something I'd never dealt with in all my years that I would enjoy something this much. And it includes an era when they won a few games in the early 80s when one of my best friends was, was a prominent player on the team. And, and uh, was that Joe Salem or Lou Holtz? Joe Salem yeah. and Lou Holtz. Okay. Uh, but. It, I mean, I just, the the novelty of it is where I'm going with this, and it, I enjoyed, I loved it, I loved these, this experience, and it was odd that this year you couldn't follow it up naturally, and now it's, it's still going to be screwed up, but at least it's like, okay, we can go back, and I think, speaking for a lot of sports fans, I, all of a sudden there is this rekindling of interest and all of a sudden you can go, okay, I kind of okay now I'm kind of getting college football a little bit more than I have for the last 30 years or however old you are that because you have this tepid kind of like okay, I'm gonna read I'm gonna know the people I'm gonna but I'm not gonna really embrace or enjoy that there's a Gopher game on. Because they lose, or yeah. they're playing Northwestern. Yeah, and it's potentially different now. So the so the and that's pand- huge.
1: So the pandemic and things being set back to October twenty fourth doesn't matter. You're just
0: you're here. We yeah, are. I would say I would you're no. Right. I, I would say it matters, but I would say that some of the some of the um, the enthusiasm that I had, the interest that I level of engagement. It, it carries over. And I who mean, knows how it good will be, be. I will. Yeah. The the Michigan thing. I will watch that. I will make yeah. sure that I watch that.
1: Yeah. And I look. I have. We we don't need to sit here and preview the season and and, and opine about if they're going to be any good or if they're all sizzle and no steak, whatever. Then, how well they'll follow up last year. But Matt, you and I were discussing this earlier today ahead of the podcast. Like it's here. And again, I'm a Husker fan. You get dyed in the wool pretty easily, even though the last twenty years they've been mediocre to bad, irrelevant, achingly irrelevant. I you know, I look forward to every year. And you would think that, oh, I've had to wait longer than normal and it didn't look like there was going to be a big ten season. Oh, yippee, here we are, <laughs> and even though they're gonna get destroyed at the horseshoe against Ohio State, at least I have my season. And I haven't been excited about that. I haven't been excited about college football in general. I don't know why. Um, but you you touched upon something that I said. Okay, maybe that's maybe that's it. Well,
2: when we were sort of in the throes of the pandemic, which seems weird to say since it's actually worse right now than it was back then, but. Um, when it, it first is. when it first started and everyone, everything was shut down, it was like, okay, no one's going to work, no one's going anywhere, everything's shut down, we're all locked down in your houses, there's no sports. Um, <laughs> it was tough. I did not like it. I played a lot more video games than I wanted to. <laughs> I would have, yes, even me, yeah. I would have given anything to ha- like, I watched the shit out of that Michael Jordan documentary and I don't even like Michael Jordan. But it was like this is. Thank you. This is sports right now. We were desperate. Yeah, it's like this is what we get for sports. If you care about sports, this is it. And I remember thinking. Sports
1: media the whole time. And I remember
2: thinking at that time, God, whenever sports comes back, I am gonna watch the shit out of it. I'm gonna watch NASCAR. I'm gonna watch tennis. I'm gonna I'm gonna be so hard up for sports to come back. I'm gonna watch all of it. Well, then eventually stuff started, you know, slowly starting to come back. And I did do that with the Twins. I watched every single regular season Twins game I could. But I do that anyway. You know, baseball is kind of like a pretty big deal in my life. I watch the Twins all the time. Outside of that, I haven't watched anything. Like, how many years, Mick, you know, we covered college football for so many years, and every Saturday... You were in Vermilion, and I was either at an Augie game or USF game or an SDSU game, and it's like, that it would have been kind of fun to sit and watch college football all day. Same thing,
1: say, same thing for me, covering the Huskers, because living in Lincoln for five years, the whole Saturday is Husker football. Right. For my job and for my life, tailgating with people, but also doing stuff for the radio, and even this the past few years being a backup here in South Dakota, not to hijack your point, but... Same thing. I'm following and watching the Jacks and the Yotes right. and and USF. So this be so like, this fall it'd be great to watch a little SEC ball. And so
2: this stuff. fall, no, no Missouri Valley football, no N S I C football. So it's like, hey, now I can spend my Saturdays sitting and watching college football. Enjoy and guess that, what? SEC ball that I don't.
1: Yeah. And I thought that. I would. Yeah.
2: I want to. I just I don't know if the if the pandemic has just sort of like killed all of our will to live and nothing's fun anymore or what it is but like I didn't watch a minute of the NBA playoffs I've been watching the Vikings on Sunday but you know whatever I don't care it doesn't help that they suck but even if they were good I don't think I'd be that into it like I think so many of us thought that having sports taken away from us and then given back to us was going to make us be like, oh, my God, I've never loved it more. But I think the fact that no one's at the games, that these games are being played in front of empty or partly empty stadiums, and it, it's these abbreviated seasons, and we're not getting the rivalries, the, the usual whatever we're used to, like, people just can't get into it. And it's that's genuinely surprising to me. I thought when sports came back, I was going to be like, I'm going to be a bigger sports dork than I ever have been and it's been the exact opposite I'm just not I just can't get myself that worked up about it
1: even like for for me it's like the NFL and nothing else the twins for a little bit, but I mean that 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 flickered away real quickly. I didn't watch much in the regular season, and after they got
2: knocked out, I didn't watch any of the playoffs. Yeah, I watched Game Seven last night because okay, okay Game Seven, and it was the, awesome. You gonna
1: watch like, a bunch of World Series?
2: Maybe and I don't see, know. Not, I'm like, not like yes. making appointments to watch it. Yeah,
1: you know, we'll see. Yeah, and for me, like yes, the Chiefs are my team. They just won a Super Bowl. I'm excited to have maybe the best quarterback we'll ever see in our lives. Uh, you know, even tonight, I was excited to come here and watch the game. Um, and maybe if the Huskers were better, like the Gophers are relevant, then I'd be just Gah! for Saturday. But I, I, I'm pretty much the way you are, Zim, except for the NFL. I, Sundays I'm all in, and Mondays I'm all in reading about it, listening to sports talk about it. Like the NFL still has that on me, and nothing else has, not even the Huskers and the, and the Big Ten. And maybe I'll feel differently. Maybe it'll be a real test, not so much for you because it's your beat. If the
2: Huskers are actually decent?
1: Uh, of course they won't be. I'm talking about when we get the Jacks and the Yotes and maybe Augie and USF. It'll be really about like, okay, I really did like all of that, and that's what's been missing, just covering and following the local teams when they come back. I don't know. Um, but it's, it, it's, it's kind of a test of what, what naturally perks you up. and the, for, for, It's been the NFL and nothing, even golf. I'm a golf nerd. And I watched like three holes of the U.S. Open. I didn't care. And I see these Masters commercials like, oh, yeah, Augusta with all the foliage." And Well, it's
2: interesting you bring that I don't up. Care. Maybe part of the reason we're not that fired up is because we can't go. Because you and I went to the Sanford International. Mick, you were there too. And you guys are both way bigger golf fans than I am. Um, I really got into that. I enjoyed the shit out of that. And I think maybe it was because it was like, hey, this is what it's like to go to actual sporting events. Yeah. And that kind of rekindled something in me and made it more enjoyable to me than it would have been if it was business as usual.
1: But I've and never now, been able to go to most NFL games or the World Series or the things that yeah, we Yeah, but don't
2: tell me it isn't way different with whether it's piped-in crowd noise or it's a little different with baseball and football because you can't quite tell yeah. that there's nobody there. Yeah. I had a tough time watching the NBA games when yeah. it's so obvious they're playing in this bubble. I guess that does matter. You know, it was a it really does. It matters. How, I mean... You know, I'm I'm not that huge of an NBA fan anyway, but one of the cool things about watching a basketball game on TV is that these twenty thousand people are right on top of the action. They're right there. Now all of a sudden they're playing in this bubble like empty it looks like they're practicing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that takes something away
1: from it. Nick, it's time to hear from you about all this. About all this.
0: Well, I I guess
1: with the NFL, they have the they have the potential here to get
0: go through the straight season. They can follow their schedule to a certain extent. I mean, they're going to reschedule games. It's a real game. year as to it's a, it's a, there a you yeah go. yeah. Okay. Um, but otherwise, I'm totally with Matt on this. In that, when you're watching a game TV, which is how we watch most of our national sports all the time and it's it's not how I react to it but you see how the players react to it where it's like and, and you do see after you've watched these thousand years of sports and you kind of see how it works sometimes and how the crowd is part of the deal and how this you know right now because this crowd is going crazy what you have some insight into what's going to happen next and it's just it's going to be either a good thing miss this free throw because the crowd is in his yeah. head yes
2: yeah. this right. relief pitcher can't throw a strike Yes, the crowd yeah yeah is or or this
0: quarterback is going to i'm not naming names but this quarterback is going to get sacked right now because they've been marching backwards and the crowd is on him right now and this is not this play is not going to work they should call a timeout and run a handoff because this is not working they need to quiet and and how the a crowd went especially when you watch all these sporting events for this long time, um, and you kind of see it in how the mow is such a huge part of sports and how
1: the crowd is part of that deal. Yep. Yeah. And by the way, nobody benefited that from that more the first few weeks than Aaron Rodgers, because he's captain hard count, captain um, Draw the de- cheap yardage, draw the defense off sides. We saw that against the Vikings right away, where there's no way he would have been able to get some of the penalties he got early to help sustain and move drives along and that that happened two or three weeks later um and and look we don't have much more time period but what the hell matt would you say that would you agree with me that aaron Rodgers
0: has a lot of personal problems and the green bay packer franchise is on the road to ruin
1: (laughs) oh boy here we go that's there we go that's the big podcast topic well i will say their last three their last three or four losses have been utter blowouts. Twice to the Niners last year, including the NFC Championship, then yesterday against Brady and the Bucks. There is, it, it, like, when when he loses, they lose bad. That was that was a bizarre game to watch yesterday. Yep. Is that your signal that you want to get this pe- podcast over with, or that you don't really care? About the <laughs> I didn't. Game?
2: I didn't. I didn't watch that game.
0: I would, I would,
1: I would, Did you watch the game, Mick?
0: I would reiterate that I think Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback I've ever seen. Yeah. And I celebrate his failures.
1: Okay. (laughs)
0: That's that's it.
1: Somebody pumped out, like, he just, when it comes to being under dirt, like falling behind, win percentage trailing at any point in the game. Mahomes 65%, Lamar 65%, Jimmy G 62%. Brady, Wilson, Big Ben, Tim Tebow, all of them. And and then there's 53% Tim Tebow. And then there's Aaron Rodgers at 48%. He's not great. Yeah, but
2: that could partly be because he's never behind, and those other guys are behind a lot more.
1: Okay. It feels like if you do punch the Packers in the mouth a little bit the last couple years, it doesn't go Um. well with Aaron Rodgers when he has to make plays. But. Yeah, okay, fine. Do uh, you want to talk about the big basketball thing coming to the Sanford Pentagon, especially since Mick works for Sanford?
2: Uh, uh, briefly. That was the
1: big news this past week. <laughs> it's, gonna, a, it's a
2: big deal. Would have been cool if they could have got Duke to come, but who do we got?
1: What, why did Duke Why did Duke bail out? Because
2: Mike Krzyzewski's a dick, and I'll say that on the record. Um, yeah, but
1: what, what goes behind that, though? Like is it just? Is I don't. They just. Did, they just didn't
2: want to. We we asked them at the press conference, and they're like, they made their decision. We didn't even talk to them. Yeah. So it kind of sounds like they blew them off. Okay. So
1: who's coming in? We've
2: got okay. We've got Creighton, Dayton, West Virginia, Texas A and M. Yeah. Uh, Wichita State, Utah. Ah, damn it. Ohio State and. Uh, shit creighton? You
1: said creighton i said creighton i don't know it's okay uh, yeah, i should be able That's to field. Did, did you say dayton yep it's a good feel yeah it's, it. it's a
2: very good feel i'm probably leaving out the best one i don't know but um I don't know, yeah. yeah i mean the cool thing is you know the pentagon when, when they built the pentagon they were like hey we're gonna bring all these major events to sioux falls and everyone kind of cocked their head like what are you talking about like okay, the Skyforce are gonna play there, and there's gonna be high school tournaments, and you know we didn't know Augie was gonna end up playing there or whoever, but that that kind of made sense that it would evolve to something like that. They were talking already at that time about bringing these, you know, national events, and it just didn't really make any sense. It didn't it was like what are you what are you even talking about? Like no one could really even conceptualize what they were talking about. Well, ten years later, or seven years later, whatever it's been. They've had how many Division I games where the, you know, they just bring these Big Ten, Big 12 ACC schools in for these one-off games, which you and I have been to a bunch of them. They're cool. They're fun. I mean, it, it's kind of a weird thing because they're non-conference games. They don't mean a whole lot. But, but it's like, oh, hey, cool, the Gophers in Oklahoma were here. Well, I mean, clearly. But, but, but I think all, as, as all that was happening, there was sort of this sense that, like, can't they get an event? You know, instead of just this this one one game, these these singular yeah. non conference games, can they get some kind of event? Well, now they got what's called an MTE, a multiple team event, and the eight teams they brought here, it's a, yeah. like you said, it's a pretty good field. And so, you know, I don't want to overstate it. I mean, because again, these are non conference games, but it's kicking off the college basketball season. It's going to be on ESPN, and these are eight pretty good teams.
1: That, what are the dates again? Do you remember?
2: Huh? What are the dates again? Do you remember? It's Thanksgiving week: Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Four oh. games each day. Okay. That's going to be pretty friggin' cool.
1: Okay. Competing uh, with football, obviously. Yeah. But not bad. And it's going to be like a kind of an actual bracket format. There's going to be uh, yeah. quarterfinals. It's sem- like okay. there's like a champion that's crowned. Mick, um, as a Sanford's employee, any insight into how this happened or what's going to go on or well, what makes this possible? I mean, there's
0: unusual circumstances involved in this. Absolutely.
1: Uh, and Iowa's playing Gonzaga, by the way. That was the big one today, right? Yeah. Yeah, just a separate um, what, the one-off this year is Iowa Gonzaga, not too shabby. To, what's the other? What are the other ones? Okay, all right. It Go goes ahead.
0: back to the utility of that, and you guys already alluded to it, but the utility of that place, and when when they were, you know, it's two thousand twelve, and is like, okay, this is going to happen, and it's like, well, we had the Premier Center, and what what's the point here, and not um, having any insight into the community. And the sport, the appetite for sports, and the things you're going to be able to do here, and all of a sudden, you got this beautiful little place. And I mean, 3,200 capacity, yeah. And it, and that it was going to be something that the city could deal with, could um, enjoy, and also the community with uh, all the basketball parts, you know, there's, there's a bunch of courts there, and uh, I didn't understand any of that, and now you kind of see it coming to fruition, and it's kind of a cool little place. It's a unique little place that um, it has brought national prominence, in some cases maybe accidentally, but uh, overall, I mean, there have been a lot of national TV games there up to this point, and now there's going to be a bunch more. Yeah. And,
2: yeah, to, to me, that's the big thing is, like, it, it's not a one-off. It's an event. For for If you're a college basketball junkie, you're going to spend three straight days watching games taking place in Sioux Falls. That's pretty cool. Uh, the you, eighth team, by the way, was Memphis. That's what I was leaving when, out.
1: When we, well, that's not bad, Penny Hardaway. When we, we knew this was coming, but it was kind of reported, but now it's all official and out there, and Duke bailed out, um, and we're running out of time. We led our very first podcast with that news uh, of this thing, And now we know a little bit more about it, which you just expounded upon. Is there any time worth devoting to any concerns about it being a COVID spreader event, or do you think we did just fine? I don't think so. I mean,
2: we're talking about Sanford Health here; they kind of know what they're doing, and also they are going to copy the NBA's uh, model—the bubble that they had in Orlando. Was it Orlando? Yeah, I think it's Orlando. Uh, Whether it's you know plexiglass, fans are—they are letting fans in, but they're going to keep them separated. They're not going to be down on the floor. I, I I think again, you know, we're talking about a health system here. It, it, I think they're gonna be able to pull and, and also, you know. You're gonna can, sell you,
1: tickets, right? Are they gonna try to sell all the tickets we don't
2: we don't know how many. Oh, okay. they're no, they're definitely not gonna they're definitely not gonna fill it up. Yeah. Um, but they're gonna sell some number of tickets. Okay. Um but whatever they do, I mean you can speak to this. The Canaries got through their season. I think the Pentagon we can did, pull off a three day tournament. Out, yes, we did.
1: yes. I don't want to waste a bunch of time. Nick you got okay, all right. I think well, if Mick had anything to add before he went to the bathroom, uh, he would have added that. So I think that's about it. How do you think this one went? Did we do okay? Once again, you're exiting this thing terribly. Good. <laughs> that's my intention. Yeah.
2: You have the you have the worst sign off of anyone I I've just ever like heard. I like asking my life.
1: How, did, how did we? Oh, okay. Yeah. You do the sign off then. You you how should we do the sign off?
2: That's it for this week. Talk oh, to you next time. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Why are you
0: laughing? That was a
1: terrible outro.
0: <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you guys need a little rum drink? Yes.